Welcome to my testimony, and today we have uh, we, we have Pastor G. I'm going to call G. him Pastor G. And, Pastor G. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. This is going to this is going to be a beautiful testimony today, man. It's it's a great to have um, our good friend on with us today. So, um, Pastor Gary Gordon, welcome to my testimony. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm uh, I'm really honored to uh, to be asked to to be on it. You know, yes. I love uh, I love it, and I've, I've enjoyed it for for a good while now. So, thank you for asking. Yep, and thank thank you for being thank you for being an avid watcher of my testimony. Yep. You know, when we talk, you tell me about the uh, the testimonies all the time. And, yeah, um, man, and got, thanks for living up for your name, man. And the reason why I call you Pastor G is because of the two G's, Gordon. You know? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Gary Gordon, Gordon, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into my testimony, let's bow our heads to prayer. Father, we thank you so much for waking us up today. Thank you for my testimony and for the opportunity for us to share with each one, with each other. And we just ask that as uh, Pastor Gordon shares with us today, that his, his words will touch our lives and that the words that you put on his lips will just inspire us and will be uh, strength for us to carry on to as we go through life. So we thank you again, and we're looking forward to um, to being blessed today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so Pastor Gordon, you come from England like me. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, where you were born, etc. So I was born and raised in uh, the city of Wolverhampton, which is part of the West Midlands, so right slap bang in the middle of the UK, mm -hmm. about um, two hours north of London, right. uh, for those who need to have that for geography. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I say that because people often say, uh, oh, you're from London, you know? Yes, I get that kind of all way. the time. Yeah, <laughs> I get the same thing all the time. Are you from London? No, not from London. Near London, but not. Not it's, it's like it's yeah. like when you're from Florida, everybody thinks you're from Miami. Miami, mm. <laughs> right? Or maybe if you're lucky, Orlando. But right. right, right, right. Okay, so so you you're born and raised um you're born and raised Adventist, right? Yeah. Well, my mom joined the church when I was uh, six years old. Um, back then, just it was just my brother and I. We were kind of a a blended family but back then it was my brother and i so she okay. joined a single parent actually um uh when i was six my brother was eight eight and a half and uh yeah i just kept going ever ever since i wasn't born in the church per se but my earliest memories included okay. church life for sure right and you um so what made you want to be a pastor yeah, then I was about to ask <laughs> right Wait, what made you want to be a pastor yeah you know, it's it's so fascinating because I, as I said, I, I was in church, and the church that I was a part of, in fact, just recently they did a, they, they the young people from that church who were the children of, of um, the youth leaders back in my day, mm -hmm. did our praise and worship for us, um, you know, because okay. of the virtual service. But it was just a dynamic church, um, a lot of involvement in ministry. And um, so I just enjoyed being in church and just doing everything. I, I, I also moved from there and went to a small church, and which is kind of where I learned a lot of the, I guess the ministry gifts and skills. Mm. And, and, and I just had a sense of the calling. Um, and then people in the church and community would kind of say to me, you know, you, you, um, you should be a pastor mm. um, and that kind of thing. And I thought about it, I prayed about it. Initially, my first love was psychology and counseling. Okay. Um, and um, I guess I hadn't strayed too far from that, really, in a way. Right, right. Um, I wanted to do acting as well, but that that didn't work out. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was just a call and just confirmed by other people. And 
I was able to have opportunity to to share it with with you know my church and and you know the church was very vibrant in the in the region that I, where I was from, mm -hmm. so it just kind of went on went on from there. Okay, awesome, oh, awesome. Wonderful. Today we, we're going to be discussing a very um, unique um, topic awesome. of um, of you being a pastor, um, dealing with grief because mm -hmm. you have dealt with grief before, and you also deal with grief, you know, with people in your congregation throughout all these years. So um, mm -hmm. let's first talk about grief in a little bit. How, how do you see grief um, from, from your perspective when, as a pastor? I once heard someone say that um, grief is the price you pay for love. Mm. And um, I kind of see that as being um, a very apt description of what, what grief is. When you, when you have a connection, when you love someone, um, there is... Uh, a period of uh, mourning mm -hmm. when that circumstance changes. It's not just limited to bereavement in the context of death, but you know we can also experience grief or loss um, from from other things. But most personally, I guess for me, it's it's been in the context of um, bereavement as it relates to um, you know persons losing loved ones. Right. Um, but I recognize that there are different contexts and different types of grief that people go through. The loss of a marriage, or sometimes even people are working for a company or in an industry mm -hmm. and they, they lose that job. And so there's a grieving process. And, you know, so it's, it's broad, but most specifically for me, I've experienced it in the context of, of the loss of loved ones. Right, right. Okay, so. Tell us a little bit about the human aspect of it. What is your personal experience with that? Well, you know, when I started pastoring, um, I, I, it's one thing that they don't really train you for at um, in the seminary. And when you're studying to be a pastor, you know, you learn preaching, you do Greek and Hebrew. I'm not kind of sure what that much good that did, but, you know, that's for another <laughs> day. Um, and, and, and you do, you do learn pastoral care. Um, but a lot of that, well, pretty much all of it for the most part is, is theoretical. And then you, you are kind of thrust out into pastoral ministry and, you know, boom, it, it hits you as a very, uh, real and integral part of, of your, your core. Right. And um, I, I think, you know, when you when you're a young pastor, you 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 only have thoughts of baptisms and, mm -hmm. you know, changing the world and dynamic programming. Mm -hmm. And then you end up in a congregation uh, where you'll have seniors and sometimes you'll have tragedies. And, you know, and I've had a few of those where the person's death has been, you know, traumatic and tragic. Right. And you have to somehow find. Um, the strength to to deal with that and and that can be challenging because sometimes the expectation is that you'll you'll always have the right um, the right words or right. you know that thing, you know mm -hmm. wow. wow and then um, you know during during this time of COVID that we we are we are experiencing I'm sure. There's a lot of um, grief in, in, in the matter of, um, as you said before, in debt. Um, how, 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 how are you coping with it, with your congregation? Yeah, it, it's been, it's been um, challenging. I mean, we have not perhaps had as many uh, direct COVID-related deaths, although we have had some. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, and I don't really know what it is. I, I'm speaking to a... Um, director of a funeral home and they're saying that even though there are a number of deaths that are not COVID related it just seems as if I don't know if it's stress or right. because people are not able to access their regular health care or checkups mm -hmm. but there are other deaths that are coming which are not directly COVID related but you know are happening so um, it's difficult um, and as well I think people are even people of faith you know they're living to some degree with a little bit of fear, trepidation, uncertainty. Right. Um, and and so you 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 kind of put 
all of those things together and um you know it's it, it's been quite a challenge and, and of course you combine that with um not being together um so congregations usually grieve as a community and that oh, yeah. that helps the grieving process right. um but you're finding people are um you know dying in isolation you know because mm. of course you can't visit and that kind of thing and then you have the the lack of that collective group, and especially in the, um, the I guess the American Caribbean community, um, or I guess the Black Church generally takes grief as a community thing or loss as a community right. thing. Mm -hmm. So is that there is that support of the community, which which to some degree um, helps to soothe and dissipate the um, the intensity of it. So as a pastor, I guess we feel that more because whatever happens, you know, the pastor's going to have to be there. You know what right. I mean? Right. Um, yeah. um, whereas family members may have to travel or whatever, or there may be a limit in the congregation size. Whatever happens, you can be sure the immediate family, the funeral director and the pastor, you know, are going to be there every time. So, exactly. yeah. Right, right. Wow. So you, you have experienced the, the loss of your brother, okay? Yeah, well, I, I lost two brothers. Um, uh, so as I was saying, we joined the church in, in uh, around, I'm going to say, 75, 76. My mm -hmm. brother, my, well, I'll say we joined. You know, back in those days, when your parents joined, you joined, right? Yes, so, right, right. <laughs> my mom joined the church and we went with her and uh, we were together there initially, um, the the, the ones from our family, our nucleus that were there. So we we were together for, um, I'm going to say now, maybe 10 or 12 years mm -hmm. going to church. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's fair to say that I was probably a little bit more engaged than he was. Mm -hmm. um, this, this is, I'm talking about now, around the late 80s, early 90s. Mm -hmm. um, he, stopped, he stopped going to church. Mm -hmm. um, and he was you know, immensely gifted, um, rather like, you know, our son, you know, very musical, very talented. Mm -hmm. um, and he was, at that time, there was an emerging um, reggae scene in the mm -hmm. UK and right. the MC and the mic toasting and things like that. Yeah. And he became part of that group and um, that culture. Um, but unfortunately, with that culture also came um, the use of um, of marijuana, uh, weed, I guess is what folks say. Right. And yeah. um, unfortunately, it impacted his mental health. Mm. Uh, and so it, it became difficult to be at home with him um, because he would have these mood swings and, you know, stuff would get broken, things would get stolen. And, and it just kind of, you know, got a little bit to be a little bit, I guess scary. I guess um, right, right. And mm -hmm. so he he moved out, and um, and then one day, um, it was interesting because I, I I remember it just like it was yesterday. This is this is uh, August ninety one now. Okay. And uh, I was watching the local news. So you imagine you're watching, you know, Channel Ten or right. or whatever it is, and and you hear of a of a of a um, of a officer involved shooting, but there's no name released because of course, you know, and so I, you know, I, I was traveling to Birmingham. I heard the news and, and in the UK, a, an officer involved shooting back then, as it is still now, is a huge thing, you know, right, right. Not yeah. like in the US, you know, a, an officer involved shooting is major news it is. because for the most part, the UK police, apart from tactical police, don't carry guns as, as you may know. Right. Um, I went about my business. I went to the city and I remember very well I, when I was coming back, I told a friend and when I got back to the, the train rail station, um, the friend that I told that I was going was waiting for me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, then they told me that there'd been an incident and um, my brother had been involved and, and, and he had been he had been killed wow. by, the, by the police. Wow. So it, it was kind of weird because, you know, you went from um, not having anyone sick or anything like close to death in your family 
to just you know this avalanche right um, and, and because um because it was such a big news story uh, it was just you know it was just crazy um and there was kind of i guess implications for race and policing right. and, and only was yeah. i dealing with the death of my brother but you know i was kind of if you want to use the term thrust into a kind of a media spotlight you know right. different you know i guess the equivalent of what would have been black lives matter type mm -hmm. of situation and you know mm -hmm. doing press conferences and and attending rallies and 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 all the while trying to process you know um the the loss of my brother there was an inquest or you know coroner's you know post-mortem and the mm -hmm. investigation and stuff like that mm -hmm. so it, it was pretty crazy um and um had to process that and that 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 was like a, a huge kind of upheaval you know in a lot of ways wow wow i mean i, I think that um it's weird because I, I, part of the passion and you asked earlier about ministry was, you know, because my brother made some choices and, you know, there are questions about, about police tactics and what should have happened and what could have been done differently. Mm -hmm. But um, that was part of one of the, the motivating drives for me for ministry in mm -hmm. a way, because I realized he'd kind of, you know, I guess, made some bad choices that, that mm -hmm. you know, they say that the, the enemy of our souls just wants to get us away from God so he can, you know, um, make a fool out of us, so to speak. And so I was kind of partly driven by wanting to help to impact the lives of all people, but especially young people, right. Um, right. based on the fact that, that, you know, my brother had, had, you know, died in this way and, and that he, I mean, he was just so, so gifted. He, he was, a, I mean, he could literally sketch anything. Mm. He was great at photography. He could fix anything. He was just one of these most gifted guys, but, you know, he, he just made a wrong choice. And, and you know, it's, it's crazy because, um, uh, you know, we, most of us know people who, who have, you know, smoked, you know, marijuana weed for, right. for, for years, decades, mm -hmm. you know, right. they still function, you right. know. Right. And my brother was in that way for just a short time and it, it just totally messed him up, you know. So I guess that's been, that was part of one of the things that really propelled me to answer the call, you know. Um, and then 10 years later, I, I lost um, another brother, which, yeah, was, was a totally different way, but it was still, you know, difficult. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So when, when you lost your, your first brother, you, 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 um, you are not a pastor yet, but when you lost your second brother, you were a pastor at this time. That's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. what, what was, what was the difference in coping with both of those after you becoming a pastor? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because, um, and it's kind of, there's kind of strange connections between all of these. Um, because my, my brother, um, which strangely, it's not, not a joke. His name was Elvis. I don't know what my dad was thinking, but <laughs> oh, I guess, wow. I, I don't know, but I, I never asked about the story about whether there was any connection between a song or whatever <laughs> right, that right, right. might okay. happen right. in that moment, you know, but whatever. Right. Um, but, but he was, he was, I say, we're from a blended family. So he was a much older son of my dad. We lived okay. in the same city. Right. Um, right. But um, he he was actually a, a an Olympian. He'd been to three Olympics. He was represented the UK in judo. Wow. He was an you know um, just an amazingly strong um, guy, and um, and he he complained one one day. He'd gone away uh, for kind of a training, and he complained that he wasn't you know feeling a little kind of pain in his side. Mm. Um, this was about 2010, uh, around September or October 2010. Right. He came back from Europe and, mm -hmm. you know, had some tests and they discovered that he had, um, uh, he had pancreatic and, and liver cancer. Oh, wow. And wow. Um, wow. I think he 
probably had about six months after that. Mm. And he, he went from being, you know, someone as big as me, um, maybe a little bit more muscle, but, but um, as big as me, um, to literally just like a pencil, you know. Wow. Um, and that was hard because, you know, he would train, he was, of course, you know, being an Olympian, he'd train and, and um, you know, constantly he used to teach people judo and stuff. So he was supremely mm -hmm. fit, strong, right. healthy. And um, he, he died at, at um, you know, in his, I guess, mid fifties. Wow. And um, that, that was pretty, that was pretty traumatic, but on a, no, a different way, because, you know, you've got the instant, you know, when you lose someone like I did, you know, Ian. Right. And, um, and then Elvis was just this decline and you're sort of just watching, you know, someone just kind of waste away, you know? Right. Um, and I still haven't, I still haven't figured out yet which, which one of those is easy to cope with, you know what I mean? Mm. But what I do remember was, in fact, the how I actually came to be in Florida was that I remember that I was in a strange place of knowing what the, the diagnosis and the prognosis was, right. but, but in this place where I wasn't sure what I was praying for, was I praying for healing? Was I praying for his salvation? You know, he wasn't like a person of faith or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I, and what happened was I, I actually became, I mean, to my mind, um, paralyzed in the, in the, in the whole process of this protracted, um, I guess, grief and loss that I was living through. And I, right. and I, even though I was a pastor right. and I knew that I should be offering hope and, mm -hmm. and all of that, mm -hmm. I just, I just couldn't, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, when I go, I feel, you know, sad and, and, and I was conscious of not wanting to convey to him any kind of, you know, fear or negativity or, right. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Loss of hope. Right. Um, and I said to myself, you know what, I need to do something about this. And he did pass. And, um, and then a year later I applied to do a my had a sabbatical which every seven years the pastor gets an opportunity to take time out to either train or study in a particular area mm -hmm. my conference back then in the uk had given me a sabbatical and i came to florida to advent health in in orlando okay to to do the intensive in chaplaincy because i recognized that over time i i had um I had struggled to process grief oh. and it was, mm. it was kind of, mm. I don't know if it was somehow in suspension or connected to the loss of, you know, my brother in 91, but, but I wasn't, you know, I realized that I was not as free to minister in that space right. as I'd seen, you know, others do. Right. Uh, right. So that's kind of one of the things that, and it, and it did help because I, I guess I, figured out a little bit that um it's not about having the right words it's not about being able to you know turn in your bibles or you know what i mean it's it's not about that it's just about being present and mm -hmm. i think i had to learn a lot about the stuff that was going on in, inside of me which is what the cpe as they call it clinical pastoral education teaches you okay um mm -hmm. and, and so that that did help um it I don't think it fully prepared me for what was to come, but mm. but it, it it definitely helped generally in my approach um, to to grief and loss, both personally and, and also in ministry, I guess. Right, right. So, how was your walk with God during this time? You know what? That's such a good question, um, because when my brother when my brother was killed, when Ian was killed in ninety one. At that time, I'd just about answered the, the call to go to ministry, although I had not started. I was a late starter. I went to college in, in, uh, in 93. Okay. And, um, you know, having kind of dodged the call, as they would say, touching right, the draft, right. whatever, you know? Um, and so 
I uh, I remember when when Ian died. My mom was working in the U.S. at the time. She had a you know really good job and was making good money. And the plan then was to um, for me to go to Oakwood. Mm. Okay. Um, you know, we're putting money aside because, of course, you're an international student and right. affidavit support and all of these things. Mm. My brother died, was killed, and all of that changed. Mm. My mom came back from the U.S. You know, she was like, "I'm, I'm never leaving my family again because this is what happened to me." You know, so all of those plans just kind of turned upside down. And I remember, for a for a good while, being pretty angry with God. You know, Mm. um, seeing because it was a kind of a, I guess, a kind of a siege type situation with with my brother. Mm. And so, you know, I was saying, you know, having this conversation with God, you know, you could have done something. You could have. There are ways in which you could have intervened. You know, and I remember. Right. being for for a good little while you know really angry with god about what i felt was his his um his abandoning of the family you know what i mean mm. that you you know all of these good plans were in place you knew this and you didn't do anything to stop it you know right. um mm. so that put me in a in a in a difficult place for a number of years um until i was able to reconcile that god allows things he doesn't cause them right and just because things are allowed to happen it doesn't mean that god doesn't care or that he doesn't love you know um more well when when elvis died it was it was less of a struggle i think i processed more of those feelings but it was still um it was still difficult because you know when you when you pray for people as a pastor and, and you see some people you, you pray for and, and you know, they, they are healed. Right. Um, of course, you know, the healing powers in God, but you still right. are part. Um, and then it doesn't happen, you know, for your family. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's difficult. Yeah. And, and, you know, in the more recent losses that we've experienced, sometimes that, that comes back that's revisited right you know a little bit I'm, i have to be honest about that that that's that's sometimes a struggle um mm-hmm. right and it's still a work in progress even though i've been pastoring for over 20 years i have not you know i haven't nailed that one just yet you know i still have my moments right 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 and and um and it continued you are uh, you lost your mother right how what, what space were you in when when your when your mother died? <sighs> I don't know if I'm going to get through this one now. Um, well, you know, it 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 would be remiss of me not to 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 kind of speak first of the of the kind of the the, the storm that led up to to that. So mm. we move here in in 2013 um it's a new opportunity um for us my my mom and dad had had um had uh, i guess gone back to jamaica to live they built a house there just outside mm. um Mont- well not far from montego bay lucy which is the capital of hanover um and uh and so you know it was a wonderful thought for us because you know you're living in the uk and you know it's like a nine ten hour flight from the from the uk right. to you know to jamaica mm-hmm. uh, andrea's uh, mom and you know the majority of her family are there um her aunts and and you know her brother and his wife and you know mm-hmm. and then my parents had moved back so in addition to other things other considerations about the opportunity to come to the us one of the um Kind of high points for us was that we were going to be nearer our parents right know? right and mm-hmm. um and especially for me was the fact that you know i could be near my my parents and then if anything happened because if we didn't have a lot of family on my side down down there and not on the west coast anyhow mm-hmm. um and so it was like well hey we're just we're just literally well you know in south florida you you can have breakfast here and have you know lunch, lunch. <laughs> in jamaica so 
you know, we've done that, done that a few times, gone down for Mother's Day and Father's Day and, mm. you know, surprise trips and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that was it for like three years. And then um, in, in 2016, um, the, towards the end, around the fall uh, uh -huh. of 2016, mm -hmm. um, my, my wife's mother was just not feeling well. And um, within, I'm going to say maybe a few weeks, uh, she, she, she passed. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. that was, that was just, you know, uh, difficult for us. Mm. Um, and then, so we, we were prepared to go, to go down for, you know, her uh, funeral. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then Andrea's aunt, who was the, um, the lady who she was close to in the UK, because Andrea, I met Andrea in the UK, she was in the UK um, as a student and then, and, and then working. And so we met there and her aunt okay. who moved back to Jamaica was the aunt that she was closest to when she was in the UK. Got you. Okay. And um, she, she, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna say it's probably about a month later, got sick and, and died. Oh, wow. So at the end of 2016, we we go down to Jamaica for two funerals. I mean, literally, I think they were like ten. They were like ten days apart, you know. Oh and that that was just like crazy. So I go down, and um, we go down as a family um, for for these. Um, and it was like right around Christmas time, so it was you know crazy mm. kind of period. Um, and so as I always do. I, I, we went to look for my mom, but then we also, um, my mom said, you know, she wasn't feeling so well, you know, having, as we were saying, to make a little bit of gas or indigestion, you know? Mm. And um, so I said, before we left, I went, we went back to Mandeville, spent some time. And I said to, to Andrea, listen, I'm going to go back to check on mom because, you know, I'm not kind of really happy with, you know, what, um, what's going on there. Right. And um, so I went back and went to the doctor. They weren't sure. Um, talking to the doctor, they weren't really sure. Um, and you know, Jamaica is a is a great place, but mm -hmm. that they just that they don't have the healthcare access to, you know, immediate testing and scans and all of the right, things that right, we right. have here. Um, so I was kind of concerned. I said, okay, well, we're going to give it a week. We went back to the UK and um, I was in touch with my cousins and they said, you know, look, mom's not, mom's not doing well. She's, she's not well. Um, so I flew back to Jamaica and um, called my brother. I have a younger brother of 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I said, listen, I'm going to bring mom back um, to the UK. My dad was in the UK taking care of some business before my mom got sick. Oh, okay. And, uh, right. and so, I said to my dad and my brother, listen, I'm, I'm going to bring mom back so she can get like a full, you know? Um, and by the time we, I got, you know, I think I got a flight maybe the next day, I had to go via Philadelphia because that was the only flight that we could get out because it was still in that early January period, you know? Right. Um, and, um, you know, she had to go in a wheelchair and everything, but we still didn't know what was wrong. And, and uh, I remember you know, flying over. And uh, we'd always talked about her coming here and spending time. Right. Um, and um, we flew, we flew over Florida, I guess. Wow. But we never, you know, she, she never, she never made it here. Mm. Um, when we got to the UK, I, I went straight to the from the rental company, from the plane to the rental, from the rental to the hospital. Um, in the UK, as you know, healthcare is is um, free at the point of use, and even for returning residents, you can still access to it. And um, we, we went into um, emergency, and um, they saw her right away. And within two hours, um, the the uh, the, the emergency room doctor came out and said, your mom is not well. Um, they, they have found a, a growth. Mm. And
um, and it seems that it's you know it's cancerous and it's not operable or treatable. Wow. Wow. So you you know you imagine literally take this journey I don't know it's eighteen hours or whatever with uh -huh. all the various components step off the plane drive straight to the hospital and boom you know that was just just what hit us and at that time I mean apart from her being fatigued and you know complaining of a little bit of feeling of indigestion um, it it's um, she, she didn't display you know significant symptoms. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I asked how long, you know, mm -hmm. and he said, um, short weeks, he said, and I was just like, what, you know, um, so obviously came together and, you know, and, and I'm still looking at her in the bed thinking, okay, he's talking about short weeks. I'm looking at someone who's still fairly you know, alert, vibrant, right. you know, not in agony or anything like right. that. Exactly. How, how does that work? And I'm, and again, I'm back in this place with God and I'm like, well, Lord, you know, maybe, um, maybe they got it wrong. You know, God has the final say, you know, right. all that. Uh -huh. Um, and so I stayed for another two weeks. I came back. Um, when I came back after about a week, my brother was just giving me, updates and saying she's going down and she pretty much never left she went from hospital to hospice and i think about a month after i came back in the february she passed oh my in fact i was going to fly back out um just to kind of be there um i think my flight was on the monday and, and i got a call on the on the uh, on the sunday afternoon in fact you know, it's crazy, but every time the phone would ring, um, I would have a, you know, a palpitation. So I said to my brother, listen, I can't, right. I can't do this, you know? Mm. Um, so if, if, um, if mama's passed, you know, before you call, just text her middle name, you know, uh -huh. so that, you know, I'll know when you call that when I get a text from you, I'll know, you know what I mean? Right. I right. could prepare myself, you know, because each time, because she was kind of in this state on the, on the brink almost, I was kind of, um, and, and I remember getting that text and that was a very strange reading it and realizing, okay, she's gone. Mm. Uh, and so we went from funeral of, um, my mother-in-law and Andrea's aunt, who was, I knew her very well. She was a really lovely, lovely person. Mm. And in the in the in December, to three months later, uh, my mom passing and then being being buried in the March. Wow. So that was that was kind of a a little bit of an avalanche, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that 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 I think as well is that you know stuff is happening in your life in other ways too you know right. i transitioned um right. from from uh, the church that i came to 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 the church that i'm at now lord right. Hill. and so you're processing different things you know you've got your regular life going on mm -hmm. and then and I'm, it's not unique to me but I'm, i guess i'm sharing this to say you know you've got this that drops on you and it was really a journey of just crying out to god for strength because mm -hmm. It was so overwhelming, mm -hmm. um, and um, but then the only thing that I could say is, is amongst many things, was that um, God allowed me to take my mom back to the UK. Oh, now, that was special because really that was where the majority of her life was spent, right. and so we were really able to give her a really, you know, great send off, and it was you know the community came out and. Mm -hmm. You know, people really supported us. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really meaningful. And, and I guess um, I don't think it can be underestimated the, the way in which the support of other people can help you through, right. um, you know, grief and yeah. loss. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, just, just the calls, the cards, 
um, financial help to, mm-hmm. you know, there was just a lot of, there's a lot of outpouring and, um, you know, and here too, you know, our church was really, really good to us and, you know, helped us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess that even though I kind of, again, agonized with God, it was a little, a little easier um, because I, I, I guess I'd gone through the process, but also, you know, there was, there was, I guess, more support. And, um, and also my mom was, you know, a 100% committed worship every day and every morning, every night, never miss a Sabbath, you know, Christian Adventist, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that, that gave me some sense of peace, you know, Mm. and I'm going to say that, and I know I'm saying a lot here, but, but um, it's not everything though. And, and sometimes people do not understand that though you may have that strong faith and conviction, right. you still miss the person. Of you know course. what I mean? Of course. You still, the impact that they've had on your life is yeah. still very significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes well meaning saints would say, well, you have the hope, you know. I you, know, I know. This kind of thing. I, yeah. And I know that. We know we know that they mean well, right? But you know, your mom is your mom. Your parents are your parents. Right. Your loved one is your loved one. And right. just because you have a hope, it doesn't lessen, you know, the loss that you feel because you know that there are certain things that they're not going to experience. You know, right. um, our son graduated. Um, if mom and dad were alive, they would have been at graduation. You know, that right. would have been something to right. share. Of course, COVID notwithstanding. So there are some of those things that you you take for granted, you know, your first Mother's Day, your first Father's Day, mm. you know, little little things that you, mm. your birthday, my mom never missed my birthday, so I, I'd always get a call and, and oftentimes even get a card wherever she was in the world. Right. And then those things are just not there anymore. Mm. And so I think that it's not to be underestimated right. um, yeah. that impact. Right, the the the, the, hum, the human factor, because uh, sometimes, and especially you being a pastor, yeah, people think you have you a have better, a better coping, understand. a better coping um capacity to yeah, deal with these things, yeah, you know. Yeah. You know, it's it's, um, it's so interesting. You should say that, and um, you know, I hope that this, you know, it's not meant to offend anyone, but I remember actually, as you said that when, when mom passed there was a, a celebration of a wonderful lady at, mm. um, at, uh, at our church. Mm. Um, and she had, you know, turned um, 100, you know. Right, yeah. And um, I, it was just about the time when I was gonna be going back to kind of see, you know, the final kind of, I guess, moments with mom. And of course, as I said, my brother called and she passed, so I didn't go. Mm-hmm. And then the following week was the um, the celebration of of this senior member, and it was a wonderful occasion. And and right. you know I was thrilled for the family, and right. and um, you know glad to be a part of it as the pastor. Um, but I, I remember very very vividly um, being asked to say a prayer of thanksgiving, you know, mm. and. Um, you know, I'm saying this prayer and, wow. you know, meaning the words that I say, mm-hmm. but I, I remember feeling heartbroken at the same time. And it was such a, a clash of emotions, you know, right. because here I am giving thanks for, you know, this life of this faithful, you know, Christian lady. Right. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I'm, I'm just, you know, processing the grief and I haven't really processed it, but, you know, of of, uh, of my mom. And I think, um, you know, I remember being a little bit of a wreck for a couple of days after that, you know, because right. right. it took a lot for me to keep it inside, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and when you have, I think for Christians and maybe a little bit more for pastors, I don't even know, but there is this kind of feeling of, well, as I said, because you have the hope or, you know, because we know that, you know, death is not the final say that, mm-hmm. that somehow you, it will take the edge off it. And I know the apostle Paul says that, right. um, and true, 
but in that in that initial time period it's as raw mm. and as bitter as um as for anyone i yeah. i think and um yeah and and, and I, I guess when dad passed um it was kind of similar to mm. um, and and, it, and he, it, he passed recently when, when did he when did he pass so he passed in March. Um, he passed in March of uh, 2020. Mm. Um, you know, and <laughs> you know, there there are times in in your life, especially when you're when you're pastoring, that you you are, and I guess it's maybe the same for like people who are in like medical field, right. where you're where you're dealing with a kind of a crisis that's kind of like out there. And then all of a sudden that, that crisis comes right into, you know, mm. your living room. Mm. Um, so we just, we just um, closed church, I think the 14th of March, uh, 2020 last year. Um, and I'm talking to my dad, you know, and the same thing, they're locking down in the UK cause he was in the UK uh -huh. um, back then. Uh, after mom passed, he stayed in the UK for more, more of his time than in Jamaica. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, just talking, you know, dad, be safe, be safe, you too, you too. Right, you know? right. And, um, and then I get a call, I'm at church actually on the, I think the, it was Monday we had food ministry and I was at church and my brother calls and says, you know, dad's, dad's gone into hospital. Um, wow. Like, okay, so I call and uh, he said, yeah, he's having some breathing issues, but, um, you know, they think it's, it, it's, it's, uh, they don't think it's COVID. They just think it's, it's um, just whatever. And I said, okay. I said, well, um, said so that they did a COVID test and it's come back negative. So I'm like, okay, cool. Okay. You know? So then, um, I'm at church on Sabbath and I'm saying, um, you know, pray for my father. He's not well, it's not COVID, you know, that kind of thing, but you know, he's not well and whatever. Um, so I get home and I got another call from my brother and they said that they've done a second test and he has COVID. Oh. Um, wow. he's, he's going into, um, he's going into, uh, ICU mm. and, um, so no no he's going to be taken to like a, a special ward it wasn't icu then or critical care right. but um they're going to be monitoring him okay but you know i'm able to call i call him and you know i can hear his breathing he's a little bit labored mm. but you know he's still you know and i'm figuring again okay it's going to be you know he'll write it out um and then I'm like, okay, to my brother, listen, I think I'm going to just come over, you know? Mm. And he's like, well, you know, maybe just not yet. And right back then they're closing borders and, right. you know, right. I, I'm kind of here. Do I go, do I, you know, mm. it's just a total, you know, mess of a situation. And I'm saying to the Lord, what, what do I do? Um, so I, I don't, I don't go, I don't take the flight. And then I get another call from my brother to say that he's been taken into to critical care and mm. um, he's on a ventilator and um, it just, I guess like within a month, maybe less, two, three weeks, two and a half weeks, maybe two and a half weeks, maybe it just, just snowballs. Mm. Um, so here I am on, on um, this side of the UK, this side of the world. Right. wanting to get to the UK, you know, mm -hmm. um, figuring it's too dangerous to try and fly, you know, um, if this is before he passed and then he's passed and I'm not able to go. And then I'm, we're not able to even, I'm not able to be part of the funeral service, wow. which actually incidentally, they, they don't have a, a church service because back then right. the churches were oh. down. Right. So they, they had a graveside service with I think 15 people maybe. Yeah. Um, and and so we, I, I had a guy, it, I guess that's the same kind of stuff that you guys do and he was able to kind of link yeah. us in. 
we did recordings and we kind of created, you know, a decent service, but it, it was just crazy, you know? Um, and I think, um, you know, one one of the things about pastoring is that you, you, you always want to try and be strong for the members. You know what I mean? Because you know, it's a fearful time and there are members getting sick also and, people's family members in New York and other places are getting ill. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right at this point, the church is locked down. Um, you're trying to keep the ministry going. Right. Um, and then you're processing. And uh, I mean, you know, when I think about it now, I mean, it was just God's grace, you know, that, that really, um, that really kept me, you know, um, and um, because there's so many conflicting emotions going on, at, you know, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, should I have gone? Should I have stayed? Right. Um, you know, all of that, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy. Thinking about it now, it's almost a year, um, the March, uh, and um yeah D- difficult time I- i'm not gonna lie it was uh there were some days when i was just you know is this really happening you know mm, that's the part that um that we tend to forget that mm. um that pastors are human too yeah <laughs> you know mm. you um not because you're in ministry mm. and um you know god that you do feel pain Mm. And um, and days you feel really down. You feel, um, you know, you got dif- difficult days like everyone else. else. And um, mm. like, but you still have to minister to mm. those who are going through difficult times. So, mm. which, which leads into our last question. So, um, what, what's what's your what, what's your words of um, of encouragement for those who are going through difficult time to grief and and as you said. It doesn't necessarily have to be the loss of a, of a loved one through death, but grief um, on a whole through sin. Yeah. You know, I, I think um, for, for me, what I've found, and there's so many thoughts that go through my head for this. One is that, um, this is going to sound a little kind of weird, but um, life is unpredictable. And so try and live your life in connection to God right. and in connection to your family um, so that whatever comes in life, that you will have more strength to cope. You know what I mean? Yep. Because it's very hard to find faith and conviction in the midst of grief. And so um, you kind of like, you know, uh, store it up kind of thing, you know, right. and mm-hmm. especially with your relationships and with family and things like that. Sometimes we let um, silly things, you know what I mean? Just things that when you look at and think about it now, inconsequential, just, just, you know, let it go, you know, right. exactly. um, mm-hmm. because things can happen in the moment and things can change yeah. so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to say connected to that is, um, do what you can when you can. You know, a lot of times we we put off moments, joyous moments or celebrations when we think we'll have more money or when things will be more settled. Right. And you know, I think I've I've learned from my experience that um, you know, money gets spent anyway. You know, right. and time goes by anyway. So so try and do it uh, with the people that matter most, um, and it may not always be the the most convenient time, but but. Right you know, do that. But, but most of all, um, I would say that, that it, it's okay to not to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, um, especially for Christians, we, we want to force not being okay, especially when you have, you know, one of the things about being, you know, a Christian and an Adventist, when you have a very clear understanding of, of of um the themes of the the end time or the state of the dead or right. or heaven and all of that mm-hmm. that that you can 
feel that or think to yourself, well, because I know this, you know, um, then it should somehow lessen the the, yeah. the the feeling or the loss in that immediate moment, you know. Right. Um, but it's actually just okay not to be okay because when you love someone, when there's a connection, when when you're when you've experienced a relationship of of some sort of some worth um then grief is human it's part of how god has made us mm -hmm. and we don't have to fight or resist um the reality of those emotions and those feelings in order to pretend that we are okay or we're not affected on, on the contrary the bible says that um, God is able to comfort us in our griefs, yeah. you know? Yeah. So God does not want us to kind of dodge or pretend that we're not hurting. Mm -hmm. um, but he's, God said, I'm okay. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know? Right. And that walk can be with, with the person who is grieving. That can be yeah. part of the grieving process. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's, it, it's, it's okay not to be okay. Um, and if, and maybe sometimes if you need to, you know, talk to somebody. I, I've, I've shared, with, I think, before in, a, in another space that, um, you know, I have a, a therapist that I talk to right. um, yeah. and process my feelings. And I say that without apology, right. you know. Mm -hmm. um, God wants us to be able to deal with the, the realities of who we are and who he has made us. And sometimes it gets to a certain level that we we need some support and um, that's okay you yeah. know it, it doesn't make you less of a christian and less of, you know a believer if um, if you struggle to process and i guess the the last thing i'm saying a lot of things <laughs> but the last thing i'd probably say is that you do get through it um yeah. you know you do get through it and what i've experienced and it's it's still a journey right yeah but what i've experienced from like 91 when my brother was killed to now if if someone had said to me and especially you know in that four month period you know end of 2016 beginning of 2017 and then three years later with my dad mm -hmm. that all of these things would have happened and i'd still be you know um in my right mind and able right. to laugh and, and all of that I, i'd probably say no nah, you right. know yeah, but yeah. but you do get through it, and yeah. with 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 your faith, and with with people to support you, the love of your family, mm. um, and shedding some tears, um, you know, God God doesn't leave you. Um, you, you you do get through it. Amen. 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 Uh, Pastor Garden, I mean, thank you so much, and mm -hmm. uh, for being real, and for um, for sharing. Yeah. And I know, I know this, um, this testimony is going to definitely help a lot of people. Absolutely. Um, it has helped me already. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've gone to my share of grief too. Mm -hmm. Um, did, did lo lose my, my, my grandfather around the same time you lost your dad and, and I was very close to him mm -hmm. and, um, it was the same situation where we had a very, um, very, very small funeral. Mm. Was, um, mm. even that of itself was kind of devastating you know so mm -hmm. um but uh but thank you so much again and i and i and i know that this is definitely definitely gonna help um a lot thank of you so thanks yeah all right so dawn you're gonna pray to yes. take us home wow. <laughs> all right yeah loving father we thank you so much for this testimony that we're able to see that you are there in the midst, even though we feel mm -hmm. so much pain. You're able to help us process and help us to understand this whole journey. I thank you for Pastor Gordon and the way that he's able to be real in his ministry and be able to understand this journey and be able to still be very close to you. Yep. I ask that you continue to be with him and his family Continue to love and care for them and protect them. And continue to be with all of our listeners that they will be able to know that you are definitely the God that answers prayer, the yep. God that is always there, regardless of what they go through, so they mm. can be truly close to you and ready to meet you. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen
Amen. 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 I, Amen. I, I pass the G. You know. Thank you, you so know, much. Yeah, man. You, you you know what time it is, man. We, <laughs> well, you know, we we we're continue working on stuff together, and you know, always um, always good talking to you. Um, Thank you. Know, you. Yeah, and uh, always keeping it real. And I know um, a lot Ooh. of people within our community, man, they 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 look up to you and admire you. And, um, Thank you. Man. And they're, they're going to be blessed by this again. So take care. Okay. Right. Bye for now. Okay. Take care. Bye.